Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got holes on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. You know, people that are in broadcasting. And today we come to you in broadcasting from the booth at Galaxy Communications. Headed on the road today to Durham. Of course, Paulie's already on the road, literally and figuratively, on his way to tomorrow night's 6-15 Syracuse basketball game against fifth-ranked Duke. The Blue Devils have been steamrolling people at Cameron Indoor of late. Their last three wins by at least 22. The Orange will have their work cut out for them in a, a game that gives them an opportunity to pivot their season here. You talk about bubble, and we will spend some time on that today, listening to uh, some comments from Coach Beheim's radio show last night you can get off the bubble in a hurry if you win at duke that would be as good a road win uh, as just about anybody has had over the course of the season it will be a very tall task for the orange to uh, pull that one off coach Beheim spent a lot of time on his show last night talking about in the local portion about a recent development in the central new york food scene with the addition of a chick-fil-a and he's right on the money he's smart cookie and uh He's absolutely right. I said, well, it'll be five in Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, Albany, three in Binghamton here uh, before you know it. And uh, he's probably right on the money about that. Uh, but that was pretty interesting. We also have some of his basketball comments coming up on the show in just a bit. Max mentioned the FBI report. That is from our friend uh, Pete Thamel at Yahoo Sports. And it's uh, not good for a lot of programs in college basketball. How damaging it becomes how far the NCAA pursues this, what deal they make out of a few dollars here or there remains to be seen. It is worth pointing out that Syracuse was not among the schools implicated in any of the reporting today. Uh, so if they're talking 20, 30 schools, that does not include uh, Syracuse and none of the players mentioned are here or were here or any of that. Um, one of Duke's players was uh, Wendell Carter and, and uh some of varying degrees. You know, it's surprising you see Malcolm Brogdon, who everybody talks about as a future uh, future presidential candidate, the leader for Virginia for a number of years, and then the rookie of the year with the Milwaukee Bucks. Malcolm Brogdon's, the only reference to him in the whole thing is that his mother had uh, a lunch meeting with this agency, and the agency picked up the tab, and then he didn't sign with the agent. And End of story. We're, we're talking about $70 for lunch at a hotel. Um not an important uh, discovery necessarily, but then in some cases there are payments of ten, twenty, forty thousand dollars, and and uh, lots of layers to this. Uh, we're closer still, I think, to the beginning than the end, and uh, something to keep an eye on. But uh, it is not something that at this time uh, hits super close to home, and I think uh, a lot of people are uh, encouraged to. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but. Uh, are fine to have that be a somebody else problem than uh, a Syracuse problem. So uh, we'll get into the game as we uh, continue here on the program in a little bit. I want to talk a little lacrosse today, too. Uh, it was a historic lopsided loss for the Orange in the Dome last Saturday against a very good Albany team that won 15-3. to 
and we'll visit with Ryan Powell. Ryan's going to do the ACC Network Extra uh, color analysis of the locally produced games, including uh, tomorrow's game against Army, and uh, we'll have Ryan on the show uh, coming up here in just a bit. Olympics continues to wind on. We'll touch uh, on that a little. The uh, curling gold medal uh, match or game or whatever it is they call it when people get together and slide rocks across the ice. That is uh, Saturday, and uh, U.S. in the gold medal match having uh, beaten uh, Canada to earn that right. So that's a pretty cool deal, a sport that the uh, Yanks have never won uh, a medal in, certainly not gold, and, and a chance to do that. Speaking of the Yanks, we do have... Yankee baseball on the tube here, looking at uh, Ron Gardenhire, the new manager of the Detroit Tigers, in the uh, uh, dugout for Detroit, and just makes you feel good. Nice sunshiny day down there in Tampa. The pinstripers are out, and uh, on a a game that doesn't count, but we, you know, well chronicled, the Yankees are only going to lose about a game a month this uh, coming season. So, on their quest to go about one fifty five and seven, that's that's the record I've got them down for one fifty five and seven. Uh, Yankees out and uh, in the pinstripes today. It looks like uh, all across baseball in these uh, early spring training games, uh, to the credit of everybody involved, Major League Baseball and so on, the uh, players are wearing uh, hats that are from uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, the high school involved in the recent uh, school shooting in uh, Parkland, Florida. So they've got the interlocking SD uh, in uh, dark red against a uh, uh, dark navy or black cap, and so uh, good for them. And that's Major League Baseball does a lot of uh, tribute hats over the years and uh, over the course of the season. This is a notable one to uh, get the year started. Makes you, does your soul good to see baseball happening this early in the year. All right, let's take a break uh, here early because we want to spend some time on Coach Beheim's comments from uh, leftovers from his radio show last night. We'll get to Ryan Powell a little later in the show talking Syracuse lacrosse. And uh, your phone calls always are welcome at 437-7644-ESPN44. That's area code 315-437-7644. In the booth brought to you by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance. We're back with more in a moment just off and running here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Tomorrow, the Orange are in Cameron Indoor for a meeting with Duke. Coverage starts at 4.30, tip-off at 6 on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Welcome back, everybody. We are In the Booth here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. In the Booth is always brought to you by CH Insurance and Burdick Toyota. Good to have you along for the ride here until 3 o'clock today. Game tomorrow at Duke in Durham. Monday back on the show Next week to uh, look back at the Durham game and ahead, the uh, Duke game and ahead to the BC game, which is Wednesday night late, a 9 o'clock start in Chestnut Hill. As we often do on Fridays, we want to share what you may have missed from Coach Beheim's radio show last night. He had a lot of things to say, as you mentioned, some really entertaining stuff and uh, insightful about uh, the new uh, Chick-fil-A that has uh, landed in our community. We, we make big deals of things like that, and... Uh, those of us that have traveled around, or in my case, have lived in the South and know about uh, the wonders of that uh, particular establishment are uh, excited, and uh, Coach Beheim laying out the uh, business aspects of it, and I'm sure he's right on the money about that. But we want to uh, share with you his uh, thoughts, particularly relating to this game and his basketball insights 
And one of those has really been uh, some criticism of his team and not just the obvious, but criticism of what we are perceiving to be a strength of Syracuse, and that's their defense. That being said, the Orange are going to need defense and offense in these uh, remaining games, as uh, has been proven out in both their wins and their losses. You can expect every game in the ACC to be tight. I, I don't think our defense has been good. It wasn't good against Wake Forest. It wasn't good against North Carolina State. And it, it wasn't good last night. Um, it, it was pretty good in Miami and Louisville, although I, I'm not sure it was our defense or their shooting. Uh, but they shot, Miami shot well when they went to Notre Dame. But so, you know, but again, I, I just don't think our defense is as good as it needs to be uh, to win these games. We, we want to win every game we play. We don't care what people predict for us or what they think our record's going to be. We go out to play every game and we want to win every game. And we've had the opportunity to win every game we played this year, except probably Kansas. And, uh, the Virginia game at home, we were really not in it. We were in the game at Virginia and every place else we played. And all the games we lost at home, we had the ball tie game against Notre Dame. Uh, we had the last shot, shot against St. Bonaventure here. We had the ball last night twice with a tie game, and we had the ball in the tie game with NC State. And, you know, you get in those situations at home, you've got to score. You've got to get a bucket. Early in the year, we scored against Maryland when we needed to at home in Georgetown and uh, close game with Buffalo, close game to Toledo. We scored in those games. But uh, in the league, we've had four really close games here. And uh, we should have we should have won a couple of those games. Well, uh, that's for sure. I don't know if uh, North Carolina necessarily is the – biggest example of it it's a missed opportunity for sure but they trailed that entire game the biggest example of missed opportunity in the league is Notre Dame at home Wake Forest on the road is another one where it felt like Syracuse should have won to coach Beheim's point about the defense not being that strong of late he's related uh he's referring to the three-point barrage put on by Wake Forest in the second half by Sam Hunt of NC State kind of having his own uh, three-point barrage in the uh, second half of that game and then the uh, late three-pointer by Markel Johnson that won it for the Wolfpack. Uh, the Orange defense has been strong, uh, certainly overall this year, and in uh, a couple of the key wins, most notably uh, at Miami uh, here of late. The idea, if that defense continues to play well, it keeps them in these games. You've got to score to beat North Carolina. You're going to have to score to beat Duke. Duke you know, averages well north of 80 points per game. They probably won't score that against Syracuse, but that's not the same degree of certainty that you say that than you may have about the North Carolina home game because Duke has been shredding people at home. They played a very high level, did that the other night, and destroyed a uh, perhaps distracted Louisville team in the game there on Wednesday. Tomorrow's game is a 6-15 start time on the road at uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium. As for uh some of the other things we wanted to pass along related to this matchup with Syracuse, the observations that Beheim has about Duke, who's played now for four games running, all of which wins, without Marvin Bagley, who is right at the very top of the uh, ACC list in terms of scoring and rebounding in conference games. Part, they don't do anything differently with Bagley. 
they have another guy in his spot, but when he's in that spot, he gets 20 points and 10 rebounds. The other guy gets about six points and six rebounds. So it's the same play, the same offense, but obviously it's a different player. They've changed mostly because Grayson Allen has the ball now. He was averaging eight or ten points a game for a while, and now he's averaging 20-something at 25 last night. Uh, so he's got the ball, and that's he's the most dangerous guy. The two most dangerous guys for us are Trent and, and uh, Grayson Allen, and then their big guys inside are, are still monsters, whether or not Bagley plays. We don't think he will play. We think there's something with the knee that they haven't released. Uh, when you sit out like this this long, uh, there's a, usually something behind it, but... Uh, they just pounded everybody in our league without him. So it's not like, um, oh, this is going to be a little easier. It's, no, it won't be easier. Um, they're playing better defense. They're getting better in their zone. Uh, it's the first time they've ever played zone extended periods of time, and you get better. You get better with it. Their zone's getting better. Um, but their offense is tremendous. They're a tremendous offensive team. They've got two guys that shoot up close to 50% from the three. They've got the inside guys. So it's a it's a tough test, and uh, we're going to have to go down there and play well. Right now they're second in the country, Duke, in scoring 87 points per game. Scoring margin is sixth best in the country at 16 per game. This is a Duke team that may have taken some lumps early in the year, even lost to St. John's not long ago, but uh, has its act together now in four straight wins. Bayheim talking about what they've done without Marvin Bagley. First of all, Bagley averaging 21 points and 11 rebounds per game. He's uh, absolutely been a beast. I think it's 18 double-doubles that he has had this year. He's among the uh, national leaders and certainly the conference leaders in that. And when he doesn't play, they've started Javin Delorier, 6'10", a sophomore, uh, former uh, Virginia recruit from the state of Virginia, and uh, Marcus Bolden, 6'11", from Texas. Those two players combine in the neighborhood of eight points and seven or eight rebounds uh, per game in 26 minutes of playing time per game. But uh, they are not what uh, Bagley is. Bagley from Phoenix, arguably the first pick in the upcoming NBA draft. As for the zone, that is uh, Syracuse's uh, bread and butter. And uh, Coach Beheim and Coach Krzyzewski are close friends, which is well chronicled. They've worked together with Team USA, and it's not surprising if some has rubbed off on Coach K. Well, it's a good zone. Uh, no zones are exactly like, just like no man-to-mans are exactly like. They're all different in different ways. But their zone has gotten better. It was very, it was not good in the beginning of the year, but they've used it a lot, and they've gotten a lot better with it. So it's definitely better than it was, and uh, they've worked on it a lot, and they've, they've used it a lot. It's really helped them. They played uh, really every minute of zone here in, in recent games, and uh that's not something that has been a trademark of Coach K, but he's adjusting related to his personnel. Uh, we figure he'll start a team with three freshmen in it tomorrow, and that does not count the uh, Jordan Tucker, who uh, was a Syracuse recruit, went to Duke and uh, decided to leave the program early this year. They have another uh, one-time Syracuse uh, recruit. I don't know how serious it got with the Orange, although there was a uh, scholarship offer, to my recollection. Alex O'Connell, 6'6", from Georgia, is a very good shooter. He leads the team in three-point shooting percentage at 53%, but uh, the two players that the coach mentioned related to being the uh, biggest stressors against the zone, Gary Trent leads the conference in three-pointers made. He's a freshman, 
And uh, 77 threes so far this year, right behind him, Grayson Allen's at 75 threes. So we're talking about guys that average uh, just under three three-pointers made per game. Gary Trent Jr., a much different player than his father was. His father, the Shaq of the Mac, he went by in his time at Ohio. Uh, he was a uh, lower-to-the-ground, stocky, uh, but dominant force, uh, reminiscent of a, a Charles Barkley type that uh, went on to have a very good NBA career in his own right. And uh, Gary Trent, a very highly recruited player among those that uh, could be one and done for Duke this season. So among the other topics that we got into uh, off the game a little bit, had some uh, sort of general – last night it was uh, a lot of people at uh, Shaughnessy's and a lot of phone calls, and a couple were of the more general variety. We'll save those for another time. Uh, good questions about how uh, the basketball schedule – is assembled and uh, some of those things, but you might be interested in Coach Beheim's reaction or not uh, his take, I guess, on the NCAA tournament selection process and the idea of that it might be looked at a little bit differently this year in the newfangled quadrant system. He takes a stab at that. It's still based on the RPI, so they're not really changing anything because the quadrant system is still based on the RPI. So it weights road wins. Yeah, but that, they've always done that. Yeah. They've always looked at your road wins and said, well, they they won four games against top, you know, top pit, top 25, 30, but they were all at home. Or they, they won two in a row. That's good. The year we won at Duke, that was good for us. But it's hard you can beat Duke, and it's a quadrant one win, or you can beat, you know, Maryland on their home court. They're 55, so that's a quadrant one win. And, that's a big gap. And obviously, it's a big gap. You still have to look at who you beat, where you beat them, how good really are those teams, how well are you playing. I think that they say it's the season's the same. It really shouldn't be. If you're playing well in January, and now you're not playing well in February and March, I don't think you're, you know, the team you want to be in the tournament, but that's that's a little bit of what they're doing. Last year we played great at the end of the year. It didn't matter. Well, that is uh, no longer an official criteria in the mix, your late season performance. It used to be that uh, among the things they considered, right there in black and white and out in front of people, they said, hey, look, one of the factors is your last 10 games. That's not officially a criteria anymore. I think all of us psychologically think about that. And if you're looking at the eye test or whatever, you're looking at who's playing well at the end of the year, who's shown that they're uh, able to beat good teams, etc. But uh, in the case of the actual black and white statistics and the data that they use in that committee room, that is not an official factor anymore. The deal with the quadrant system is it's a way to group together what we're calling good wins. It's not just one of the wins you have against RPI top 50. It's a way to say, well, if you beat a top 75 team on the road, that's as good as beating a top 50 team at home. And so they've weighted it in a slightly different way than they have before to uh, sort of streamline or or make that black and white process a little uh, clearer or a little bit more uh, systematic then you, you still hope you have basketball people in the room that can call the best teams to the top, but they need to go somewhere in terms of hard data, and that's uh, the current uh, 
system in terms of how they they weight that out. As Coach Beheim points out, you know, absolutely no two wins are alike. A, a win, you know, against a number five team on the road versus a 55 team on the road or a 70 team on the road should not be uh, viewed the same way. Certainly if Syracuse wins this game on the road at Duke, they won't have any other questions to answer for the most part. Between that one and Boston College, let's say, they would be in pretty good shape as far as the NCAA tournament's concerned because it would be uh, by quite a margin their biggest win of the year if the Orange are able to uh, secure that on, uh, on Saturday night. Right now the Tier 1 or Quadrant 1 Records on the season, Syracuse 4-6, and six, and uh, Duke, for instance, is 9-2. and two. Duke, a team that's not going to have to worry about anything on uh, Selection Sunday and whether the Orange need to uh, remains to be seen, and certainly it's right in front of them there uh, with the three remaining games to uh, take advantage of that. What about Syracuse lacrosse? We'll see if we can uh, delve into what the issues have been with the Orange. A very lopsided win against Binghamton to open, and uh, equally as one-sided in their loss, against Albany in Game 2. Game 3 is tomorrow in the Dome with a 2 o'clock face-off against Albany. Ryan Powell, the Syracuse lacrosse legend, will join us to discuss that when we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse, brought to you each day, 2-3, to three, by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance. Moving right along, the Orange basketball team doesn't play until 6-15 tomorrow. That'll give you an opportunity to check out Syracuse Lacks. It's in the Dome with a 2 o'clock start. Game's also available on the uh, Watch ESPN app, in addition, of course, to being on uh, TK99 with uh, Brian and Kyle. Our next guest is the Syracuse lacrosse legend, Ryan Powell. He'll have the uh, call with uh, Jake Marsh on the tube tomorrow. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Hey, Matt. Good. How you doing? Good, man. You're uh, wrapping up your Florida vacation with the kids. We appreciate that. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Long time to down there. Good to be back in Central New York now. Good. You got uh, all refreshed. We're watching the Yankee spring training game on from Tampa right now. It looks nice and sunny down in Florida. Yeah, the weather was pretty nice every day. About eighty-five and sunny. So, okay. Uh, uh, I was supposed to leave, but uh, glad to be back and looking forward to some lacrosse action tomorrow. That's right. Well, it'll be, uh, as they say, 70 and overcast in the Dome and uh, Army coming in and put yourself in the, the shoes of the guys. Uh, you were never on a team, at least here at Syracuse, that got beaten 15-3. to uh, That's uh, pretty much historic around here. If you go back to before the Gate Brothers run of the three straight national championships in the 80s to find the last time uh, Syracuse has beaten quite that badly at home. How do you rebound from something like that? Well, I think they've got a tough task ahead for sure. You know, they're going to be facing a very good Army team. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, their energy level needs to be at an all-time high for this, uh, this younger group of, of kids. And uh, they got to come out on fire ready to compete and play at a very high level because uh, – you know, you know the Army's going to be ready to, to play. Uh, they always are when they come to the Dome and play against Syracuse. So um, I expect a pretty tough uh, challenge here for the Syracuse Orange. Well, well, that's kind of part of it, isn't it? That if you line up for Syracuse in the Dome, you pretty much know going in you're going to get the best shot of the opposition. Certainly, it's well chronicled Albany has said, hey, we're happy to open our season at Syracuse every year. And Scott Marr there has used it as a recruiting tool. I would imagine that applies to 
just about every program that this is a big deal for them to come here? Well, I think uh, absolutely, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was talking to Coach Alberici on a, a conference call yesterday, and, you know, he talked about uh, how excited his team gets about coming to the Carrier Dome. It's the mecca of college lacrosse. I mean, it's where every young kid wants to, uh, you know, grow up and, and play uh, lacrosse. They might end up at, a, at another school, um, but at the end of the day, um, it's the most iconic and well-known uh, college lacrosse facility in the country. And, uh, um, you know, the competition coming into the Dome is always amped up and excited to play uh, against the Orange because of uh, the, the, the Carrier Dome and the platform that they get to play on. Let's go back to the Albany one quickly, just, just to be sure. Like, should we be writing this off just as, hey, Albany's got a load of talent, uh, came in here with the uh, Nanticoke, the freshman, highly recruited, and, and he obviously was as advertised, had four goals in that first game, and they were loaded, and you can sort, sort of tip your cap and move on? Or do you sense there are uh, real flaws or issues here? First of all, you never know, write off Coach Desco. Um, the guy has a way to come back against people. So uh, his record of, uh, I, I believe it's 41 and 21 all time um, under his watch of uh, kind of a, a follow up game after a loss. Right. Uh, so he'll have the boys ready to play um, for sure. So uh, way too early to kind of be writing off uh, things at this point in the season. Uh, you know, a, a younger Syracuse team. Um, you know, that uh, could have gotten in, in, a, in a bad spot in that Albany game. And uh, as you know, in all sports, momentum plays a big factor in it. Um, you know, it's a combination of that. It's, uh, it's, it's some of that the boys will be ready to play, but uh, they do have a tough task ahead. Um, they need to have some guys that start stepping up to, to provide some more productive minutes for them. Well, I, I think that is absolutely a trademark of John Desco. First of all, never too high or never too low, and that's what helps him uh, bounce back off some of these losses. The other indication that this is a long season, when uh, this program where the expectation is to compete for national championships, you can't win nor lose them in February. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, you look at the, there's a lot more parity in Division One lacrosse now. Let's face it here. There's uh uh, there's a lot of scores that uh, I look up and down uh, the scoreboards from the past couple weekends um, that you're kind of they're, they're eye catching. You know, the one goal games against uh, the most dominant uh, programs out there in the country against uh, up and coming and newer type Division One programs. So um, you know, it's a, it's a big eye opener for Syracuse lacrosse alum and and for our kind of audience here in Syracuse and the expectations that we have for the program. Um, but there's been a lot of scores that have kind of been one way, and it's very early in the season. Now. And, uh, you know, Syracuse and, and Coach Desco has always had a great reputation of uh, peaking at the right time. And uh, But, you know, it's, that was a very tough loss and, you know, something that I think that is ultimately going to make the team better. We're visiting with Ryan Powell, a former Syracuse number 22 and lacrosse legend, one of the all-time leading scorers in the history of the game here or anywhere else. And uh, you go back to that Army game last year, it was of the one-goal variety, as virtually every game was for Syracuse a year ago. It was in the literally the final second that David Sims scored to give Army the win at the Dome, the uh, first time that Army had won in an awfully long time against uh 
Syracuse. The Orange had been on a long winning streak against Army uh, prior to that. And so that has to give Army a little bit of confidence. You look at uh, key players that were a factor in that game last year. Brendan Bomberry, who has returned, was the Orange's' leading goal scorer in that game last year. He had three, so did uh, Nick Mariano with three. Army Ryan is off to a three and0 start so far this season with uh, wins already over uh, UMass and Rutgers uh, among their three victories so far. What do you make of uh, how the Black Knights of the Hudson come in? Uh, they're going to come in hungry and ready to play. Uh, you know, the strength has always been on the defensive side. they got a, a goaltender that's got a ton of experience. And you talked earlier about Coach Desco not getting too high or not getting too low. Um, that's one of the things that Coach A uh, loved about his goaltender, A.J. Barada, um, was the, the composure that he has in between the pipes. And he's been starting for them since his uh, freshman year. Um, so you got some uh, a cool, calm demeanor in between the pipes. Is always a very good sign. Um, and their defense, you know, they got two really solid uh, defensemen that are going to be, uh, you know, making it tough on uh, the Orange offense to, to to rebound from their three goal performance last weekend and, and to get going. So. Um, Coach Alberici, and like I said, in my call with him, he's very high on this team right now. Um, I think that he believes that he's, they got one of the best squads that they've had uh, coming out of the Army here for quite some time, and he expects big things, and uh, he's expecting them to play well tomorrow. So game number three of the season is against the Patriot League and Army. The Orange will also wrap up, as they often do, the regular season with Colgate at the end of the year, and both of those teams are three and all right now so ryan we appreciate the time we'll do it again looking forward to uh, the broadcast tomorrow uh, with the army and uh, certainly a chance to bounce back although army comes in uh, even higher ranked at number nine syracuse number 14 so enjoy it we'll be watching absolutely have a good day matt right. me on. you bet that's ryan powell he and uh, jake marsh on the acc network extra broadcast tomorrow of course uh, brian higgins and kyle federally will have the broadcast for us here just down the hall at uh, TK99 and uh, you can check that out with the pregame tomorrow for them at 1.30 p.m. So Orange Lacrosse at 1-1 one and one and looking to rebound after a big loss last weekend to a very good Albany team. We will rebound with Joe Celso. <laughs> Unfortunately. I was Don't all excited. Like, yeah, I was all excited like it was going to be a <laughs> positive development there and then it clicked. It no, you're supposed to, when you talk about rebounding, it's supposed to be to get better. It's supposed to be yeah. trending in the right direction. We'll make the most of what we have when we continue on the show. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Tomorrow, Syracuse Lacrosse is back right here on ESPN 97.7. Syracuse hosts Army West Point at 2 o'clock. Orange pregame at 1.30. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care anymore. She's only 15 years old, but Alina Zagatova is going back home to Russia as an Olympic gold medalist. Zagatova won a gold medal in figure skating, beating her 18-year-old rival. It's the first gold medal for Russia in Pyeongchang. And they weren't supposed to have any, but uh, they didn't, in the end, ban all the Russian athletes, and they're playing under this banner of OAR. That's not the band, but that's uh, Olympic athletes from Russia. And uh, as you heard in the Olympic report here a few minutes ago on the on the show, 
they finished one two in this particular discipline in figure skating. Good for them. I'm sure they're not doping, but uh, they were supposed to ban the. They didn't really stick on that complete ban of the country. Even had a, a curler test positive for uh, an illegal substance or doping. And if you're doping and curling, then you're really going out of your way to try hard. So I feel like I didn't really enjoy the Olympics as much this year as uh, I typically would like to. Kind of didn't fit in the schedule that much. But I've heard uh, that a lot. That There was something about this year's Olympics that uh, hasn't gotten the attention that it would normally get. If it was on during year. the day, I would watch. Like if it was on right now, I would, I'd be happy to I – I mean, I wouldn't sit and watch. I would have it on – while I was doing other things. And for all I know, maybe they did put it on during the day this year and I just didn't well, uh, I, I, reach out. But the uh, you know the time zone change and then by the time something does air, you kind of already know what right. happened and, and what have you. I, I made every effort to watch the both the U.S. men's hockey team against uh, Czechoslovakia, watch some of that, and the women against uh, Canada, I watched that, but I fell asleep somewhere along the line. I look forward to it to ending Larry, <laughs> you're such a pleasant person, uh, I, Joe. Now try. Larry Nance Jr. will be wearing a new number. The new Cavaliers forward is switching from number 24 to number 22. That's the number his dad wore. Nance will uh, keep wearing 24 for the next couple of games before making the switch. His dad's jersey will remain hanging in the rafters where it was retired. Yeah, my reaction to this is what took so long. He got traded from the Lakers to the Cavs. He could have been right in his dad's number from day one. Uh, I thought I'd heard, I think the guys on the previous show were saying, oh, he, there was some presumption that if he wore the jersey, they would take his dad's name. What? That's not how it works. Like, uh, that if he was going to wear the number, that his number would come down uh, from the rafters. No, that there's no uh, rule or procedure about that. It reminded me of the uh, old Billy Crystal line that he said when he first started going to Yankee Stadium and they have Monument Park there and there's Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. He thought those players were buried there. You know, it's not quite that serious. <laughs> Same thing with the retired jersey. No, y- you can wear it. It's just the number. It's and not- if you're the kid of the guy whose jersey number was retired, you certainly can wear it. Just go. I'm pretty sure if it was a mausoleum, that would require some kind of city permit. I would think so. Would be my guess. Well, back in that day, they used to be actually on the field of play, too. So that, that would create all kinds of problems. Oh, boy. In Oklahoma City getting some unusual weather, but it's something we've all heard before. Lake effect snow. The city got a little snow on Wednesday. It's described as about a coating, so less than half an inch, I guess. It's a heck of a newsflash you have there, Joe. (laughs) What lake would the snow have been the effect of? Uh, Good question. I don't know how... A lot, of, a lot of prairie there. I don't know how much. We, can we get Mahar on the line really much, quickly? Uh, yeah, go for it. Maybe maybe he would know. He's a hockey guy. Well, that's two misses in a row. That one. What I did there on the, the shot is it went up. I was going for the backboard, but it hit the soundproof foam padding and sprung off to such a degree that it was nowhere right. near the basket. You want, was, you, want, you want to try again? That's what we call a long rebound. Made all this like two weeks in a row without a miss, and now back to back days. I just don't have it. That was short. I got the yips. Well, it's a good thing this is three in a row. That's why it comes and goes, right? We talk about the team all the time. It comes and goes. (laughs) This is human performance. You can be hot one day and not the next. Just because you've made your last shot doesn't mean you're going to make the next one. 
It's a good thing we're not on Facebook Live today. So there, I mean, really, there's no proof that he didn't get it in. Well, I just said it. I'm not. I'm not fighting well, it. I guess you have a you have a point. Uh, do we care? Is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love it for a slice. I mean, I do have a monstrous ego, and I might, you know, fudge certain things. I mean, whether I was able to throw a wadded up piece of paper into a bin from six, uh, what is this, 12 feet? No, it's more like six, more like, let's call it six. If I made it, it was 15 feet. If I missed it, no. This is, uh, if I were just going to try to be accurate and objective here, this is uh, maybe at best an eight-foot shot, and I have missed three in a row. So i got to get back in the gym. Get focused on the fundamentals of throwing out the wadded up do we care on a uh, on a daily basis. A uh, couple of little news items left over here at the end of the week. You may have seen it uh, either yesterday or the day before. The release came out just after the show. They've moved the first uh, football game, which is a road game anyway. This has happened for a number of years where the first game has been set as a Saturday and then moved to a Friday night. Uh, won't really impact anybody's life here next year because the game is on the road. It's at Western Michigan, but it'll be a Friday night start, August 31st at Western. I'm all for it. Love the Friday opener, particularly here if it's going to be a way to do it and and steer clear of the fair and have something unique, go for it. But in this case, rather be uh, one of just uh, two or three Friday night games than uh, have the game on a Saturday with with a bunch of others. This one kind of makes it stick out, and uh, that'll be – an interesting road trip as the uh, Orange opened Dino Baber's third season against a former Syracuse assistant, Tim Lester, who will be in his second season as the uh, head coach at his alma mater, Western Michigan. So uh, that's that on the football scheduling front. Basketball with two in a row on the road, just the one remaining home game. And Coach Beheim wisely uh, called us out on the point last night. Can't really refer to the last game of the year as senior day. The Orange don't really have any uh, scholarship seniors with all due respect to uh, walk on uh, Pat Hurley. There will not be, you know, I'm sure they'll do something for him, but it's not going to be any big tearful goodbye to that player. You've been rooting on for two, three, four years. This was the case most notably with the Jerry McNamara's of the world and, and that kind of deal. But uh, still uh, looking to see a big crowd of the dome on that following Saturday for a week from tomorrow. The retirement of uh, Lawrence Moton, the honoring of Lawrence Moton's number 21, as uh, that is put up at the Dome. And uh, forget about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Here we don't even, it's not like you're actually retiring the uniform as no one will ever wear it again, as the 21 is being worn right now, actually, by uh, Marek Dolajai. But uh, Lawrence Moton will be honored a week from tomorrow in the Dome. So lots happening here. Big win for uh, women's lacrosse. Our man Doug in North Syracuse called in. Yesterday to get them some love, they got off to a 7-1 start and rolled. Men's lacrosse looking to bounce back tomorrow. Women's basketball, 23-pointers last night, 20-2-0. ACC record, let alone a Syracuse record. And uh, they've got a game on Sunday afternoon, heavily favored. They will be against Boston College. So that's what's happening here throughout the weekend. And we will be with you every step of the way. Looking forward to this one, taking some sponsors on the trip and uh, heading right to the... I call it the library, Cameron Indoor Stadium. It looks from the outside more like a library than it does a uh, high-level sports venue, and it's a great experience for anybody to uh, go there, uh, particularly for the first time. So if you're a sports fan and haven't uh, crossed that off your list, hope that uh, someday you'll get the opportunity to do that and make an effort to do it. And looking to uh, forward for us here to take a few folks 
down there on the uh, team charter, which is coming up here in just a bit. So we'll be back with the show on Monday, looking back at the Duke game and reassessing what the Orange's position is related to the NCAA tournament and uh, just how important, of course, that Boston College game will be. All of these things we're talking about, they sort of assume a BC road win, which is uh, not a layup by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, pretty much a given that the Orange need to win that one uh, should they try to make the NCAA tournament and have a positive resume going into the selection process, which is a couple weeks off still. Thanks to Joe Salzone for sitting in today. We thank you for listening as well. Back Monday, talk to you on the radio from Durham tomorrow night at 4.30 on TK99. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.